this has been in the works for a minute. This ought to be a pretty fucking cool show. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited as well. I mean, hey. Of course you're excited, because for once, I get to do all the heavy lifting. Hey, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about you get to sit on your ass, drink beer, and watch me work for a while. I'm drunk Uber passenger? Why don't you be drunk Uber passenger, grab a seat next to Graham, and you know what? Let's start the show. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston? Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right AA, the fucking Gooner Graham. Snow of a lord, but straight and short. Sam Graham, Sam Graham. Hello and welcome to the DU Football Show, a completely biased recap of season one of two of Ted Lasso as told by three common American schmucks. I'm tonight's host, Melissa Houston, and across the way from me, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Samuel Graham. How you doing tonight, Sam? Doing very well, thank you very much. How are you? And uh, I got some other jackass who claims to drive the bus. Uh, how are you doing? I'm already enjoying We are recording at the U Public House, just outside our nation's capital, and you can find us anywhere you like to get your podcast. Please subscribe, review, and uh, make us one of your favorites. Now, should you want to chat with us, there are many ways that you can, Sammy. Please tell the good people how they can get in touch. I like being the teacher's pet. Capical. <laughs> I heard Capical. that. Uh, Damn it. I got a cold. I'm working on this. <laughs> Season one, two. <laughs> <laughs> it is at the uh, football show on all the social medias. Now you football got football I just get to sit back and That's talk right. shit. That's go, right. go ahead, silly, silly one and silly two. Do your fucking thing. I'm just going to sit here and giggle. Graham and I are fine because like the DU football show ship, we've got friendship. How we can find That's right. out about us, Graham. Uh, at DU football show on all the social medias and DU football show at gmail.com to get in touch via email. Or you could produce a guest like I did tonight. Welcome our good friend and charm city, city gooner, Simon to the show. Hello. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. <clears throat> oh, good. I'm sorry you have to sit between these jackasses. I'm not. Look, I'm not. I'm happy to be here. You're right across the way from me. So tonight, Simon, it's just me and you. Proud me and Patreon you. subscriber right here. That's proud. Right. proud. Proud. And if someone wanted to be a proud Patreon subscriber, how would they do that, Sammy? I didn't know I was dipping my leg out into the street this fast. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, patreon.com backslash do football show. To get a sound check and injury time. That Shots works. fired, producer Mal. Shots fired. <laughs> I, know, I see you're what you're doing this hard there. For me. Uh, <laughs> now, I don't, but these two work in the wine and spirit industry and both have a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirits. So, as the red blooded Americans they are, they vow to have a drink in their hand for this show and every single show. Graham. I like how everything just goes right back to you. But uh, what else are we drinking right now? Uh, so, we've got some burrs. Bars. Uh, I've got one from Aslan. Okay. Uh, and then I've got another one coming up here from Old Town. Um, and I uh, did this one specifically for this show. I picked it. Oh. It is uh, called American Lager. Ooh. It's just the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> American Lager. 4% by volume. Uh, also by Aslan. Very excited uh, about this one. 
Uh, but the Aslan, let's go ahead and go through that, I guess, then. Uh, 9.4% by volume, double IPA, brewed with milk sugar. Mm. I'm uh, drinking an Uselfinch beers. It Likewise. Yeah, it. Pretty yeah. Good. It's a little thick. I think that's with all the purees. But it definitely... <laughs> that's how I like them. <laughs> thick. It definitely lives up to the sour name more than I've... You know, most sours have been falling short. Especially ones on with lactose. On that puckery. Yeah. The puree really does yeah. add a complexity and a punch. Yeah, it's a, that's a pucker beer. I like it. And the yeah, mango the mango doesn't taste like puke. No, it doesn't. Uh, most of the time when you use mango in anything, it's got this kind of pukey aftertaste. Not in a good malort way, just like a wrong kind of way. Yeah, I like this. It's smooth. Houston, I'd ask you what you're drinking, but we know you're trash. It's always Ice House. That a girl. All right, so uh, let's have a great show, fellas. Yes, Cheers. Let's do that. So Ted Lasso, Houston and I, we were late to the bandwagon, but that's just because we were a little late to signing up for Apple TV. Uh, waiting until uh, I got it free with my iPhone. Yeah. You weren't as late as I was. <laughs> no, you were super late. That we was were a already year after y'all. We were already through season two. Before and Simon was on. later than us, but earlier than Graham. Yeah, right in the middle. If you haven't seen it, every friend of yours, every Facebook pundit has been telling you to watch Ted Lasso, and not many things live up to the hype. But this show definitely meets the hype and possibly surpasses it. 100%. I mean, it hits on every note, and you don't even have to like soccer or football or sports to really get on with the show. It's, uh, it, it transcends... It, it transcends soccer, and it's like we've all been evangelized into the Church of Lasso because everybody we talk to that hasn't seen it, our first words are, oh, my God, you got to see it. I went and put my free trial at Apple onto my mom's TV to make her watch Yeah, my, my mother's watching it now. Yeah. What What <clears throat> is it about the show that grabbed everybody? I Let me be the guest and just be the pig and start here. Please. Perfect. I think that I, as as you said, Mel, I was late coming to the show, and and that was on purpose. I'm usually an anti-hype guy, so if somebody hypes something up for me, I'm I'm not going to watch on principle. I hated Michael Jordan until he retired. <laughs> wow, there's an extreme example. Um, but contrarian, Simon. <laughs> both both. Hardcore soccer fans like the four of us and people who are casual soccer fans and people who aren't soccer mm -hmm. fans at all all kept telling me, you need to watch this show. You need to watch this show. You'll love it. You'll love it. You'll love it. And when the show premiered was right at the beginning, I believe, of COVID. At least that's when it mm -hmm. hit my radar. And to be perfectly honest, and it, it's actually somewhat ironic and telling that I'm going to tell you this, I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to be cheered up, I, I, which is ironic because I think the, at least the first season of Ted Lasso and mm -hmm. definitely the second season was the COVID escape for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it is It is set in football. It has footballers <laughs> and football players, but it's not It's not a show necessarily about football. I think the show, the thing I love about the show is that it makes you uncomfortable. Every minor and major character in the show is dealing with something <clears throat> that makes them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it has a really raw sort of leveling yeah. common denominator element about it. And it's done so tastefully well. Were you affected by the commercial that it was based off of? Because that's for me. I was like, oh, this is going to be like the caveman 
Geico. Geico caveman that they tried to make. And this is going to be terrible. It's going to be slapsticky. How are they going to take this gimmick and stretch it out over a season? I was expecting Three's Company type shit. I I was very impressed with that it was Sudeikis. Sudeikis Mm -hmm. seems to have a lot to do with it. Yeah. To the point where, um, didn't he move to London Mm -hmm. during during all Yeah, he lives there during filming. Yeah. And... (laughs) Just he seems, if there is one, to be a, a somewhat in tune and responsible entertainer. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, if that exists, I think he's probably the closest to it behind Keanu Reeves. If that makes sense to yeah. you, I don't know that that's a- absolutely it does. It does. So I think where you're concerned right. with that, I think he was the one that kept it from being that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, I was terrified that it was going to be those commercials, and I love both of those fucking commercials. Oh, they were hysterical! <laughs> Come on, Gary. <laughs> yeah, I was not hysterical. What what, what? 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 What type of pants are those? Three quarter? To make them in men's sizes? They're very. I'm quotable. going to coach Leicester City. It's Leicester. How the hell is that Leicester? <laughs> But the, see, I loved. But I the loved thing. the loved those commercials for two to three minutes during the Super Bowl. Fucking hysterical right. for Teddy a half Howard. hour. <laughs> for a half hour, nineteen times. Fuck that. Yeah, <clears throat> you yeah. know what I mean. Uh, and and credit those commercials. Those were the first and second years of the Premier League being with NBC Sports. I absolutely credit those commercials at bringing in a casual fan. Yeah. I, they were funny. They were entertaining. They made fun of themselves while doing it. And you had a <clears throat> decent actor with good comedy chops. He was obviously a big guy on SNL mm-hmm. at that time. Like, well, just recently, uh, moving on from SNL, I think that helped bring a casual fan to go, eh, fuck it. I got nothing to do on a sa- sa- Saturday morning, right? Like, I can, I, it doesn't interfere with any of my other sports. So I thought the it helped. Show has increased American soccer fans oh, because that was, that was the goal 100%. of the commercial. Absolutely. 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 The, I mean, the I other, go ahead, Sam. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The other, the, what I was going to um, chime in with at the beginning uh, with your first question, Mel, and this kind of ties into this one as well, is the soccer piece of it. Yes, it's important to the story, but it's you could have everything else happen mm-hmm. without the soccer, and it still makes a good story. It's a standalone it's, show it, on its own, yeah. The the football is just kind of a conduit mm-hmm. in which all of these things are happening. Um, so there's enough of it that the fans are involved. Right. They see these people now as human beings, and soccer is an interesting game and a complex game. And then so it does drag people into it that may have never imagined that before. I don't think all they think of is Neymar diving, you know, and and can't stand it. I I think in this country and in other countries, and I I understand that it's become very popular in in England Mm -hmm. and in Ireland and and, in other European countries that... They probably wanted to hate it. They wanted to hate it. You can't. You can't hate this. And here's why. Because I don't think you can do a show like this with as many characters, with as many storylines, with as many compelling... Uh Uh, story arcs in another sport because soccer is universal yeah. you you have on this show you have game, yeah. you have two american coaches you have several brits you have a guy from nigeria you have a, 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 um, the a Dutchman. Mexican, a Dutchman <laughs> the Dutchman love exceptionally dutch <laughs> you have a mexican guy um Danny rojas that's carly's favorite yeah. character Danny rojas Danny rojas it doesn't it <laughs> to to throw all of this in the i would even say that soccer is not the 
just the conduit. Soccer is the the meal that is right. made by all these ingredients. You couldn't do that with another sport. You couldn't center it around something else and have all these people have a reason to be in the same room, in the same complex together. So, so to, to answer your first question, I think that Apple TV was crazy like a fox. They knew for the reasons that Big Sam laid out that people would be interested in it because of those commercials, but they also knew like Sam Graham said, that you couldn't do a season on that, that you had to give it heart, you had to give it depth, you had to give it real story and compelling characters. Mm -hmm. And from the very beginning, every time, it's like, if you don't have kids, you won't get this, but there's a there's a Disney car a cartoon on Disney called Bluey. It's about an Australian dog. Yes. Love it. Oh, my mother we love hates it. it. Yeah. Every, my niece loves it. My mother hates it. Every time, every episode of Bluey, it catches the parents right in the nuts. Yep. And you look over and your wife's crying and you're crying. You're like, why the fuck are we crying about a cartoon? <laughs> Ted Lasso does <laughs> yeah. that every time. It, and it's sort of raw, unfiltered stuff that we can all relate to. Mm -hmm. Each character has, and spoiler alerts, we won't give them out, but you can relate to all of this. And you don't have to be a footballer. You don't have to be a millionaire. Yep. You don't have to be an expat in, a, in another country to get what it's like to miss someone. It's still wholesome. It is. It is, but it tackles really yeah. heavy shit, and it does so in a really unflinching manner. Exceptionally yep. heavy shit. One might say that Will Smith might need to take a page out of that. <laughs> <laughs> now, how realistic does it get on reflecting the sport? So, having watched Sunderland Till I Die as the only other reference point for behind-the-scenes shenanigans, mm -hmm. I think it's not terribly far off right but obviously some things are stylized to for comedic effect right now Sunderland was a fucking basket case and hysterical <laughs> yeah but that we know is a real life story right uh this you know the whole premise of Rebecca essentially getting the club in the divorce mm -hmm. from her husband uh and then wanting to run it into the ground just to piss him off is um yeah pretty much like Sunderland well, that's uh, that also is um, what's the American baseball movie? Uh, Major, Major League. League. Mm -hmm. That was my first. She wants inkling. to move the team out of uh, Cleveland. Yeah. That was my first inkling is that Rebecca was a copy of that trope. And I was pleasantly <clears throat> surprised when they got away from that quickly. They discuss the competitions and they discuss the schedule in a way that makes sense mm -hmm. without really diving into it hard but you understand it and the yep. lingo <laughs> and the play they they're smart they know what their budget is they know they're limited in that they give you as very little on the field as they need to and they don't show you much and they don't need to show you much mm -hmm. really at the end of the day let's face it in that instance the story isn't the players on the pitch playing footy it's the coaches on the sideline coaching the game. Yeah. Well, and but so the, that the little bit of scenes is, with them is what you kind of need. But the they other, do they do put the they do put the money and the capital into football scenes where they need to. Yeah. The, the whole the bit other about, thing is, is but like, it doesn't need to be laid up. It doesn't need to be no, laid no, 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 in. Absolutely with not. It. But they always cut to one like when Jamie Tart was dealing with some shit. When Danny Rojas killed mm -hmm. that dog. When they did those things, they showed the effect that it had on the player on the field mm -hmm. in like within two or three scenes they were at a game and you could see the wheels turning like how do i deal with this you know and how it just it humanizes the professional mm -hmm. athlete for people as well absolutely yeah. that they very are much. human beings that are going through very shit. much so and of course you have to take some hollywood drama to it one of my uh, favorite parts of the game is when they need a tart to be selfish 
And he's like, how am I going to know the cue? How am I, you'll know the cue. And then everyone looks over and there's Tart. Everyone with their middle finger up at Jamie Tart. And he goes, oh, okay, I get the cue. Right. <laughs> like, that was in good fun. Um, can you recall any times, though, where it like went too far? And it kind of took you out of it because it was a bit too ridiculous. Beards oh episode oh, for me. What's that? Beards episode. Oh, I loved Beards, I loved Beards episode. episode. <laughs> that was a great episode. Well, but it's just like, we'll get to that fuck? one in a moment. Deviant. For, for me, the, uh, the keeper in me, uh, and this is done in every soccer movie. It's done in every soccer show. Mm-hmm. They'll just have the keeper kind of half-ass fall as a ball goes. like... Fuck you, keepers in the air, man. He's, I mean, he may not save it, but the keepers in the air, he's diving. It's because you made, wanted to make sure on that shot that the ball went in the net. So you just have him fall to the ground like he's a dead fish. Yeah. When it's a ball that's mid height that easily a keeper could save instead of having to get the, the shot right and put it in the upper 90s and it, and the keeper miss it because he's diving. But like, well, the, so look at any look at any real that. soccer match. You don't see a keeper flopping like a fish. It's normally <laughs> they're fully extended, long dive trying to get to a ball. You know. Le- so it's funny you say that because I thought <clears throat> it like think of back to movies like Goal and some of the other soccer movies. It was a terrible one with uh, Gerard Butler down in Dallas mm-hmm. um, playing for keeps. Yes, <laughs> you think of the movies like that, and. The football in those movies is fucking atrocious. Oh, God. Because they're not using professional players. They're using people like us and then superimposing it into a game. And it's football was terrible in victory, and they used professional (laughs) footballers. (laughs) And it's it's horrendous, right? There's a, a brilliant way that they shot this where the football doesn't look as atrocious because it's not on screen all the fucking time for no reason. Mm -hmm. It's only what's necessary, Mm -hmm. which helps. So it's funny you noticed the goalkeeper situation because I thought with the the on-field players, with with the outfield players... Pretty good. ...that that it wasn't bad. It was one of the better depictions of football that I've seen. You'll start to... You will not be able to unnotice it now. Every time you watch anything that's a soccer-related movie, football-related movie, you will notice the keeper just falls to the ground like a dead fish. And you're like... But Danny Rojas... Unless, unless of course, you're Sly Stallone in victory and he can't just knock the penalty kick away. He had to have it actually written in that he jumped up in the air... Caught the ball in the upper 90s and brought it down on a That's dive. interesting. Because he's sly, fuck all of you. It just <laughs> occurred to me, the goalie isn't a big character in the show. Not at all. Mm. I was just like, wait a minute, who is the goalie? I'm like, yeah. isn't it just some dude? That's no, a uh, tall black guy. He's a French dude. Oh, it's a French yeah, dude. Yeah. It was his, wasn't his birthday in one episode, wasn't it? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But um, the, so Danny Rojas, though, when I found, uh, Carly Googled this, um, was actually like a reserve team player for Cruz Azul. Yep. Oh, very cool. Or somebody. Yep. Was it Cruz Azul? Yeah, one of the Emmaus teams. One of the big ones. Yeah, I don't remember. And, and so he, he actually, was a professional footballer. And he actually had to make... His story is really interesting, <laughs> and it adds to the credibility of the show, I think. Same with the guy who played Jamie Tart. I be, plays Jamie Tart. Yes, I believe he's he a professional. Did you know that that 40-yard shot that he hit in the show... Was him actually hitting that shot? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. There's nice video song. of it. it. There's video of it. It's fucking amazing. For, it's fucking laser, forty yard yeah. tracer. They weren't. They went through training. I mean, they right. went through training and got in shape for the show. So, yeah. but Rojas, the the character, the the guy who plays Danny Rojas, had hit a crossroads. Like Graham said, he was reserved for one of the the big Mexican teams, and he had either got injured or he got released, and he needed to decide what he was going to do with his life. 
and he decided that he was going to act. Fantastic. So, yeah. so and he was so dope in the show. Yeah. It was and so good. And Such I would a good just character. like to say he is exceptionally easy to look at. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> he's a damn hard-looking man. It's you, like, every, of course, everyone's got their stereotypes, right? The English, big, brutish center half. Yeah. The Italian, you know, kind of flowing hair defensive midfielder. Uh, the French, uh, you know, pretty boy striker. This is exactly how you would imagine a Mexican footballer being abroad. <laughs> Football is life! Yeah, just happy as fuck, lived on a beach his whole life. Play soccer all the time. It's like Mexicans and Brazilians, that's how you think they act. Yeah. And the Brazilians, though, do it a lot drunker than the Mexicans do. And they fall down more. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the scene for me that was just, it was too far is when they did the American football lineup. Yeah, that was, that that to me. Yeah, that was, was a bit fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I was like, all right, guys. Off the, the free kick. Whatever. But if that's about the worst, I mean, there was a couple spots where they definitely went a little too far, but, but if that's the worst of it, it's not that bad. But it works because you can do it once yeah. and they'll, the the whole point was you'll never they'll never see it coming. I hope not. The, no, the other team will never see oh, it coming. Oh, the play. Right? Yeah. Oh, I thought meant the scene. No, we'll never. Well, see that it again. that too. Yeah. But you can only, it's only a card you can only play once. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's not much. It seemed like an in, obvious in card they had to play. Uh, definitely not something I expect uh, Jesse March to be doing with leads. No. Um, and he did Absolutely comment not. that uh, he doesn't think Ted Lasso is helping him at all. That uh, it's actually reinforcing the stereotype against American coaches. It didn't help. He came in and lost his first two games. Wow. <laughs> that that too. He was uh, instantly asked about Ted Lasso, which um, does beg the question. Is rude. What uh, what characters remind you of real people? Um, like who do you think his inspiration was for Lasso, and who do you think the inspiration was for Jamie Tart, and why is it Jack Grealish? I always, I always, whenever I see Jamie Tart, I have to admit, I think Grealish. The headband, the hairstyle, the whole thing. The, the short socks. I yeah. keep looking to see, yeah. is Jack going to shave part of his eyebrow right. at some point? Or is that a look he's ever had? I, I get Jack from that all the time. I don't know who they modeled Lasso after. Um, I honestly have no idea. I think that you have guys like Rupert that could be any rich English douchebag. Yeah, um, you have great, great casting too. Now, you know who Rupert that's is. That's Giles. I'll tell you who Giles Rupert is. from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's fucking fabulous. Rupert's Mike Ashley. Oh, you yeah. know that, right? He yeah. drinks a ton, shows up to the pub, got a really young wife after the the first wife. Everything. Yeah, it's, it's a good. That's shout. Mike Ashley. It's a good shout. Yeah. It's yeah. a good shout. O- only different. Only differences is that with Rupert versus Ashley, Rupert's. A charming human being and it's like everybody loves him and, well that's fair you know where it's like ashley they're like oh, would you just go <laughs> fucking pass out in the fireplace already you fucker <laughs> like, I, it's quite clear who they modeled uh late nate the the, the most recent iteration of nate after that, that's uh, jose Mourinho. that's jose Mourinho. really like, oh yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah when he takes over at west ham yeah <laughs> say, i mean All down right. down to the the dark the white hair i mean the salt and pepper, yeah, uh, yeah for t- sure. T- Ted, I get a, I get a few things, um, and some of these are gonna sound negative in connotation, but I think it um, creates the character because Sadekis then takes it and gives it deeper layers than this. This is your freshman or JV football coach in the Midwest, very peppy, very come on boys, we're gonna do this, you know, mm-hmm. little bit of a hard ass, but always want to give you the life lesson. Little bit of youth pastor. To him as well that like right. you know that kind of like i'm going to teach you good morals i'm going to be a good but i'm going to be your buddy too kind of thing yeah and um <clears throat> that's it's like again it's not to say that that's negative 
but that's also to kind of add to the comedic feel of this guy's a joke. What the mm-hmm. fuck is he doing here? Well, but then you add into that too those witty little one-liners right after something happens. Like you, when Rebecca was saying, "I'm going to Elton John's house for the the uh, holiday." you know, party right. or whatever. And he goes, well, hold me closer, tiny dancer, prancer, and vixen. Yeah. <laughs> like, just the wholesome kind of witty, stupid shit at the end. Is Jason Sudeikis. Oh, yeah, 100%. The, the last thing I wanted to say about what, as far as character goes, it's also, it's a little bit of that guy at the office that's, oh, shucks, that everybody gives a hard time to and bust balls. Like, kind of like um, Parks and Rec, though the one guy who you come to find out like his wife is christy brinkley by the end of it you know that kind right. of thing like yeah. that that it's uh he's a lot smarter than he lets on he just tells the dad jokes and the nice fun kind of things because fuck it we're at work and this sucks and somebody should be nice and, and that's kind of that, that <laughs> little of soccer that yeah. little combination of those three things is i think where the inspiration kind of comes but again, beyond that, you have an actor who also helped write and develop this character that gave it a lot more layers because that would have gotten very boring very, very quick. Yeah. Absolutely. But but I like where those those individual things, even though, like I said, kind of bad connotations to give someone, they all make sense in the character. Well, they yeah. flesh him out, right? So he's from the Midwest. He's from Wichita or something. And then you learn about his personal background, why he's so unfailingly optimistic because he's had tragedy in his life and one of the things that I love about the show that they do in the in the back half of the second season is they show that those personality quirks that goofiness is really a defense mechanism because yeah. he can't handle his own shit and yeah. he refuses to and so this is this is the shell this is the facade that he shows to everyone to keep the real shit from coming out mm-hmm. I, I, I think that there's... Which is relatable, because a lot of people do that in well, their day Absolutely. Lives. Will Smith. Most people do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Sorry. I, 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 there, Sorry. And, that's, and that's going on, you know, you, you, you ask, it's a really good question, who do they remind you of? I think the thing that grabs most people is mm-hmm. they remind us of all of us. Yeah. I mean, Rebecca is a woman jilted and scorned. Uh, she's left for a younger woman. Her ex-husband is a giant asshole who never fails to remind publicly. her. Publicly. Publicly. yeah. Marries the model and then knocks her up, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not alone in that. Uh, got a huge crush on Rebecca, right? Oh, God, She's yeah. not my biggest crush on that show. We can come to it, but she's not my biggest she crush on that show. She is so statuesque mm-hmm. and just incredible looking. You're not wrong, but she's not my biggest crush. All right, who's the biggest? Sassy. Sassy? Oh, yeah. Really? I kind of like Sassy too, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. That's, Sassy, that's Sassy's friend. a trouble, troublemaker. Let me yeah. find out Simon likes a troublemaker. Well, Simon's <laughs> a lot like me then. <laughs> Girl next door that's going to smoke under the bleachers. Yeah, Sassy's a good guy. All right, bag things on your car. No, no, not, not quite that bad. <laughs> uh, well, of course, Jason's been asked this question a lot like, what his influence for the character was? And his answer is going to piss you off. Uh, he first did say his own high school basketball coach, mm-hmm. who I'll give Donnie Campbell a shout out because apparently it was a big influence on his life. Uh, Ted has a sprinkle of Jim Harborough. Jim Harborough, okay. And uh, a lot of Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. I don't see it. Not with the tactical awareness <laughs> that yeah. those two possess. I, I, I don't. Under, I don't know the men well enough to go. Okay. I would say that's why I'm asking y'all. Well, man management, Ted's, yeah. Ted's incredibly likable. Klopp is a fucking raging asshole. 
You think that my my Everton is showing? Sorry, let me put that away real quick. <laughs> yeah, Jurgen Klopp is incredibly charismatic. That's not hey, good. He's, Pep he's, Guardiola is a fucking pervert. He's exceptionally charismatic as long as everything goes his way, and then see, when it doesn't, he's an asshole. I see Beard as Pep, <laughs> just a fucking like super. Uh, that's not right. Got to do this. Got to oh, yep. go this way. X's and O's. Da, 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 little da, little da, ADD yeah. uh, and does not of, compute. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Just yeah. fucking robot. And then is a goddamn deviant on the back end. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. a good shout. Yeah. Yeah. But the the charisma, the everything else, I see that as as the cloppism. I can see with Ted. I just don't see the intensity. Heard in in the coaching part of it that Jurgen Klopp would bring. Yeah, it was. I was not sure, but he said that in every interview, and I was like, well, that's um weird. I guess uh, I'm gonna have to rewatch it to see. I think you're right. I think Beard is Pep. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I don't see Pep or Klopp, Klopp in terms of the joke, the charisma, yeah, and the yeah, yeah. yeah, the relation. I mean, we don't the mm. way he handles the press and, and his own players, except that one time. Yeah. All right. All right. If my Everton's going to show, I just got to make your Gunner show real quick. Your stupid Gunner. <laughs> uh, by the way, Sudeikis uh, supports Spurs. Have fun with that one. Do you know why he supports Tottenham? Your worm for you. It's it's a very simple thing. When they were doing the commercial, he went around to every single Premier League team, and Spurs is the only one that said yes. Yeah, they need something well, over there. <laughs> and they so needed of course a win. Become a Spurs fan. They're they the needed only a ones. win, but Beard is a Gunner. <laughs> They're the only ones that told him yes. Brandon Hunt is a gooner. Well, Brandon Hunt came into it being a fan yeah, like beforehand. Right. Tottenham um, also said yes to All or Nothing from Amazon Prime. So, <laughs> yeah, so did we. So Well, yeah, but that was after them, so it doesn't count as much. See, if everything had said yes, it'd be a whole different story, Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about Ted and Beard and their relationship. Um, the pilot... Uh, the pilot was definitely a pilot when you go back and watch it in context with the entire season. And the first time we meet Ted and Beard together, um, it's uh, how do these characters win us over? Because they're both a bit ridiculous and a bit over the top. And I think back to when they were in the airplane fighting over seats, and it read very much like Step Brothers, the way Will Ferrell and... Um, Thomas Riley. Yeah, Thomas Riley uh, interacted, and they. Sorry, Thomas C. Riley. John C. Riley. C is important. John, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Ah, John C. Riley. Fuck See, it. we get it all correct eventually. Yeah. We figure it, it all takes out. A, it takes people, a village. People on the internet to right now are screaming, going, "How do you not fucking know his name?" Wrecked Ralph. How could you get that wrong? But they they definitely had to pull the throttle back on that because if it had been that kind of saccharine, goofy, goofy, we wouldn't have bought into it. But it just settles into that relationship. Do you know what I think it is? And I've I've actually thought about this. Please. It, it takes the full two seasons. <laughs> we know that Ted's dad uh-huh. commits suicide and that he was an only child. I think that Beard is the big brother slash Fogger figure that he never had. Nice. I really do. I can see that. <clears throat> and, and not... It's- Especially not, with the quick quips and the kind yeah. of the the I'm gonna bust your balls and correct you at the same time, but right. in a nice way that you get kind of thing. You never get the feeling, and and I and, and I we don't have a backstory on the two of them. We don't, but but you can tell you can tell Beard knows that he's struggling. Beard mm-hmm. knows that he's having a hard time, and he's there always there with a cup of coffee or with a beer, right? He's there for him in his lowest moments, but he's not heavy handed about it. Mm-hmm. And then Beard takes in stride. 
the fact that um, that Ted kind of always looks out for him or thinks he's looking out for him with like his relationship problems because everything that happens to Beard kind of superficial right it's not it's not the biggest oh you and the girlfriend broke up well Ted's like I can handle that you know mm -hmm. I'm gonna be your buddy for this one you can kind of tell that Beard handles the real Ted. heavy shit so and Ted kind of handles the superficial shit with the two of them all right so I kind of view the relationship a little differently I kind of view it more like us okay where they almost complete each other does this sound terrible <laughs> Where they almost complete each other. Where coaching-wise, if you look at it from that perspective, Beard is the nerdy one. He's the X's and O's guy. He's the one that was reading all the books on the plane, if you remember, and, and do this, that, the other, staying mm -hmm. up late and doing all these things. Ted Lasso is the man manager and the goes-on-gut feeling, and and they have the dynamic and the understanding that when Ted makes a decision, that's a decision. Um, and But they always have each other's back. Uh, occasionally, they fight. And then they make up, you know, not long after. It's so it's more of a they not they're not juxtaposed to each other like Batman and the Joker, but they need each other the same. Yeah, I don't think I don't think either character yeah. or either person would work well without the other one there. Yeah. I know exactly. we'll get I know we'll get to the beard episode, but well, the beginning the beginning of the beard episode, what is very poignant and noticeable. Beard has had enough of Ted Lasso's shit by the end of yeah. the by you just got mm -hmm. your ass whooped. He's mad. He's not okay with mm -hmm. it. He That's what I'm saying. And, and, Wins do and, matter. That and, was oh, right. and, and Ted, Ted being touchy feely. And Ted's like the all right, we got this, we'll be okay. Like, no, fuck you. This one hurts. No, yeah, Manson like, just kicked our ass at like, Wembley. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just I just got embarrassed. I fell over a wall. I feel like a fucking asshole right now. But that's yeah. what I said. They need each other because Beard doesn't have the giddy optimism. Ted doesn't have the shit I just got kicked in the balls realistic view of life. So they have to have each other and balance each other out. They're essentially a great power couple. He, he doesn't have it yet, and I think that's why Beard is such a interesting character in that he's both sort of Ted's crutch and his foil and and sort of his counterbalance. Mm -hmm. um, right. Uh, I, I, I anticipate at some point Beard's going to have come up to him and say you have to start acknowledging this shit you have to stop mm -hmm. being such a ray of fucking sunshine because not everybody can deal with that and when you do that which is one of the reasons why the show works mm -hmm. when you do that all the time whether or not you're being genuine it comes off as fake it comes off as forced and people get tired like like big sam just said people get tired of that yeah. shit Let's deal with the real. We just got our fucking ass kicked by Manchester City at Wembley mm -hmm. in the FA Cup semifinals. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to have a rager. Yeah. And your pep top won't work. Yeah. And and for Beard, he needs Ted who's going to do the pressers, who's going to charm yeah, that's the reporters, who's going to talk it. to the people, who's going to go around in glad hand. And you could already tell, like, Beard has no interest in any of that, which is why the relationship works well. And why it didn't work with Nate. I mean, I'm jumping ahead. But, well, but there you have Nate that person the in the glory. middle. Yeah, exactly. You have that person in the middle yeah. that got a taste of it mm -hmm. and wants nothing but that. Yeah. He's an interesting character. We should talk about him. Oh, we're going to... I want to... Because Sam's not going to stop bringing it up unless we get into one of his <laughs> favorite episodes, the Beard episode. I fucking loved it. it I was, did too. It was an acid trip. It was great. I loved everything about... I loved... I, for, like you said... I'm going to go out and fucking rage. I feel so horrible, right? My girls left me. My team just uh, 
just lost. I fucking made an ass of myself on national TV mm-hmm. by falling over a wall. I feel like a fucking asshole. <laughs> I feel like a fucking asshole and nothing you are going to say is going to make me feel yeah. any better. Fuck you, brother. I want to go on my own and I'm just going to go get in trouble. And, and the I, universe was not helping him at first. It was not. No, for throughout but, most of the episode, for, really. Throughout most of it. Right. But it, I loved where he found where he found his, you know, solitude was it started all with him at the pub with the supporters. Yep. And the supporters are just like, well, let's see where this fucking night goes. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, those you're three, out partying with the fucking coach. Yeah. One of the coaches you've been mad mouthing forever, but you fuck like I mean, he got us into a fucking exclusive club and we're all drinking Well shit, that, you know, we're, that even, we're drinking beers and shooting pool with guys from Cambridge and lying like we went there. Like that it's even, fucking great. That even speaks to uh, on maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but that is like making fun of football Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because those three idiots. It's football Twitter. Bad mouthing them the entire time, yeah. screaming at the pub at the television to nobody that can hear them. And then the second they get in front of him, oh, mate, can we come along? <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, fuck you. Get your little online, your little behind your TV screen, you know, big dick out and just be a normal human being. Fuck you. I love you those know? three. They're the, they're the Greek chorus in this in this show baz jeremy and paul they're the best uh, good good shout greek chorus i i love yeah. that ep- i i know i don't think that there's an episode of ted lasso that has so divided people mm-hmm. everybody loved the christmas episode people either love or hate the beard episode the most interesting thing about both those episodes is that they weren't part of the original lineup yeah they were both standalone episodes that mm-hmm. they shot later and they found a way to work them in. We might not get that next season because Apple ordered an even 12, and so they know going into it. All right, yeah. here's the number. We don't have to come up with something. Right, right. It, the, the beard part to me, I got, when I was watching it, I got serious Lebowski vibes, which is one of my favorite movies <laughs> of all time. Especially in that club. Oh, yeah. When, yeah. You're, when you're going, what the fuck is happening <laughs> yeah. here, and why do I love it? My wife wanted to watch the episode again the very next day. She's like, I've got to see it. I'm like, no, I want it, I want it to just remain in my memory the complete fucked up enigma that it was. I'm still trying to figure out the meaning of the scene with the woman and the pants and the fixing them and that whole thing. He thought he was getting laid. He did. <laughs> well, yeah, he did. But, I mean, it's... <laughs> Why does this woman collect pants? I have to know this now. It's Some almost it's almost the, yeah. the the showrunners having a laugh. Like yeah. everybody's taking us so seriously. We're at the top of our game. Let's throw this in here and just fucking throw people for a loop because yeah. we can. And and where they placed it, you just ended on a heavy fucking note. Yeah. You needed a palate cleanse. You yeah. needed a just Okay, let's just have a little fun for a week. <laughs> yeah, but I also think that spoke, that spoke to people as well. How many times have you picked up some random stranger in a mm. bar, gone back to theirs, and it's been a fucking weird experience? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's that aspect of it also, where you're just trying to rage, have fun, get your dick wet, and then it's like, this lady collects toenails. Like, it's like, <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? Wow. But, you know, or you I go did back- not have enough one-night stands. <laughs> Yeah, or you go back wild, to a dude. dude's house and they've got, you know, bras duct taped to the wall. You know, that, that kind of just weird shit. Well, that's also not just, really okay. <laughs> we we have all experienced in our night and in, in our lives, not to this extreme, but, you know, one of the, my, my late father, a movie that he always loved was Trains, Planes, and Automobiles because he said it wasn't to the extent of that, but I traveled a lot of my life. 
and all of that in some way or another happened to me. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, that that beard episode, that night, we've all had nights where we thought all we were going to do was be at the local pub. And the next thing we know, we're at a nightclub. And then we're at somebody's house party. And then we're being chased by the cops or being like, yeah. and then and then somehow it ends up like on, like in a minor league ballpark, like playing fucking wiffle ball in the middle of the, like just the weirdest shit happens yeah. all in this night. And you're just saying, then the next morning, the sun's up and you're in Denny's or Bob Evans or IHOP having like, fucking breakfast. What the fuck looking at happened? your friends, <laughs> you're, you're slightly drunk, slightly hung over, coming off of it. That's... And you're just sitting there drinking the coffee and eating your breakfast and going, the fuck just happened? Yeah, like we, we don't have the money for it. What that episode encapsulated? We don't have the money for it, but how many times have you heard of a celebrity starting a party or like going to a premiere in New York, mm-hmm. going to an after party, and then waking up fucking still drunk in Dallas, right? We don't have the money to go hop a plane, but then they're, you know... It's the same sort of situation. Like, how the it's fuck the did I get here? It's the same situation as <laughs> us hanging out at the house and then going, let's go to New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. Let's, uh, let's go to let's go. Or when casinos. someone tells Sam they've never been to a strip club before. <laughs> you know, Back in the day, I, I had many of not those experiences, but you know stuff like that. Even him and I one night we went to the fireworks for his mm-hmm. birthday, and then we're in Baltimore at the Inner Harbor. The next thing you know, we're on this guy's yacht party. Yeah, exactly. Just walking by, said hello, yeah. struck up a conversation. Guys, like, you want to come on the yacht? And we both went, yes. Yeah. I'm drinking yes, a we do. seven and seven on a yacht. Like, I'm like, the la- I was underage when I drank a seven and seven the last time. <laughs> right. But here I am on a yacht drinking a seven and seven. Yeah. Nice, Grandpa. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> why it works, right? Yeah. That's, that's why that episode, for me, works, and that's why the show works, because it, it draws, it's a great point mm-hmm. about taking it down a notch and getting to sort of what seems the ridiculous and surreal until you realize I've been in that mm-hmm. uh, got girl's house yeah. where I think I'm going to get laid and it takes a turn <laughs> and I literally or figuratively have to run the fuck out <laughs> to save myself, right? Yeah. We have all taken the wrong turn down the street at night. Oh, and, yeah. And, and their parents came home. And or, you gotta or, get the or thought we were going to get our ass kicked, <laughs> yeah. right? Or, or gotten our ass kicked. Right, and then the next day, not it's not just going to Denny's or Bob Evans the next day and boring. What the fuck happened? It's going to work or showing up when in the light of day. Mm-hmm. Like, how was your night last night? It was all right. Yeah, I can't tell you. I cannot tell you about it. For the character beard, because not everybody has a story like we just told. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that ability to just fuck it and go where the night takes you and mm. see where the path leads you. Other people like play it safe. And so that's why it was good that's to right. explore. But it also that. helped. It helped Beard specifically. Oh, was the, that's his type of character. Was the one that had that moment because yeah. he doesn't have a ton of backstory. Mm-mm. He's quiet. He's the Mysterious. nerd. The, he's the nerdy one. Does that make right? it credible? And, I think it makes it more oh, credible. hundred percent. It's like, and, we don't know anything about this guy and this is what he does with this evening. Again, back to the beginning of that episode. Like I could totally he's imagine furious. Beard going to like BronyCon. Yeah. You know he's, what I'm saying? Like that's something he's into. You know what I mean? And we don't know that about any of our friends, but I guarantee you a couple of them are there. He's you know mean. <laughs> he's mean. We gotta he's play the angry. guessing game when we're done. He's pissed who off. That would be. He's so frustrated with everything that's happened. He has this crazy fucking night, and the next day he just shows up with the coffee, and it's back to being fucking beard again. It's back to normal. It was. Yeah. It was. He let the top blow. Yeah, let it out. Furi- system. And just, yeah. And and then, and and somewhere in all of that, there was happiness because he. 
finds his girl and him and his girl reconnect, reconnect and they and dance then, in the back of that church right oh, with hula hoops and <laughs> angels and all kinds of shit again weird episode felt like the limelight in new york city back yeah. in the 90s but that that had that overall i mean it was just it was a beautiful story arc and for the people who said um i mean i, I guess this is gonna come off mean but i don't I, i'm unapologetic about saying it right. for the people who didn't get it you haven't lived it yeah oh yeah you, have, you haven't lived that night. You also haven't left Not the to country. Not that extreme, but you haven't lived. You haven't lived that night. How many? I know how many times? Most of us in this room have lived that night. The oh, first yeah. time I left the country, I, you always go fuck nuts in the new country. Oh fuck! And yeah. you feel like a lot of Beard's experience and the way he talks and the way he talks about things mm-hmm. are from books, not from experience, really. Yeah. Right? Now he possesses the ability, as you say, to just let the night flow and see where it takes you, but he hasn't done it. So when he's in this new city, and if his top finally blows, as Sam said, he just, I've not done that in London, but I'm close. I fell asleep on a fountain in Italy talking mm-hmm. to you on the phone. Yes, Carly had to yell at me from a bathroom window. Mm-hmm. Which, where, which fountain? Yeah, it's just because I just went walking around. Which fountain? Where were you? Uh, we were in Rome. And we were at <laughs> That Navona. might be the best he knows. We were in central Rome. Piazza Navona. Uh, were you near to not Cam- the big fountain. No, no, no. Were, you, was, near, were you near Campo de Fiore? Yes. <laughs> it was near our hotel. Yeah, I know exactly. Um, the little it was two alleys that came to our hotel. It, the little squares, like a coffee shop, a, like a little bakery, and then it had the fountain, the small fountain in the middle. And our hotel, you walked up a flight of stairs, and then there was nine guest rooms, mm-hmm. and that was it. Okay. And we had the corner, and so I fell asleep calling. Mm. I called Houston at like two a.m. It was only was six hours different, so it was what like eight o'clock here or something. Yeah, and um, so I called him. I was fucking blasted, and I had a twenty-two ounce, um, Peroni, <laughs> and I was leaning against the fountain on the phone, and I just fucking fell asleep. And then I heard him yelling when Carly woke me up from the uh, bathroom window. She had opened and started yelling at me. Nice. In Italian or English? English. Oh, it would have been cooler in Italian. Yeah. But she was doing this. Crucify. Crucify. <laughs> <laughs> Wake uh, well, the fuck up. <laughs> one of the things that plays in Ted's character is his divorce. And, of course, we see that more in Rebecca's character, who is quite the opposite. But just I feel like the show is wanting to ship Ted and Rebecca, or that's the road that we put the lead down. Although I don't find a lot of romance or any romance in their relationship and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Her character is so surprising because they introduce her as the bitter ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And it's like the lady from Major League, right down to the tall blonde. Yeah, the you know, just the, the bitchiness. It's, the, it's the a classic, trope. The classic bitch. Yeah, it's a trope. Yeah. And they set us up with that to then just completely reverse it and make her into quite the dynamic character. Well, but that that's how you have a character arc, right? Yeah. You start off with maybe that quote-unquote stereotype mm-hmm. of something, and then you watch that person develop over time. Yeah. And it's every single character really in the show, minus the goalkeeper, who the only character arc was blowing out some birthday candles, had, <laughs> had that arc to them. Mm-hmm. Happy-go-lucky Danny Rojas killed the dog and went to a very dark place. <laughs> you had, right, Sam... With his, oh, I'm a footballer, and this is great, and this, that, the other, and then he, you know, 
obviously fell for Rebecca, which I'm sure we're coming on to. And the crisis of conscience the, with Nigeria. The crisis of conscience yeah. with Dubai his dad Air. and yeah. the OPEC, uh, yeah. the oil thing. And then and then uh, Sam Richardson's character was fabulous, by the way. And he played it perfectly as the uh, as the new leader of uh, Nigeria, trying to woo him to come well, back that, to the, the country. The African businessman? Yeah. Yeah, that, he was fabulous. I, but it, that episode in particular, that was one of the funniest <laughs> moments of the entire two seasons for me when he went ham on that mannequin yeah and he was like choking it and then fake took a shit on him it was like all the frustration of trying to the memes of that the- are incredible funny to that well, he wasn't so he wasn't nigerian he was wasn't he gone in he's like fucking piece of nigerian shit that oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he might have been yeah, gone yeah. in yeah. uh fun fact i was looking at cameo to see if there's anybody from ted lasso that is doing anything um may i could get may for a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Okay. But if I wanted Sam Richardson to do an intro for the DU football show, it would have cost fourteen hundred dollars. Fuck off! <laughs> I thought that was worth it. I'm like fourteen hundred. That's not bad. That's insane. Um, Get me fourteen hundred dollars. The guy that plays the Frenchman uh, in season two, I could have gotten him for like seventy-five dollars. Oh wow! But That's I don't right. remember the character because I have to describe it as the guy who plays the Frenchman in right. season two. <laughs> so that's not a very good get. But yeah, uh, so I thought they did a brilliant job setting up all of those characters yeah. in a very stereotypical way. So mm-hmm. you had a, a very clear picture of who they were, mm-hmm. and then every single one of them, bit by bit, in every episode, <laughs> just grew that little bit more, and you learned that little bit more about them. Like, and you wanted to. Oh fuck! What's gonna happen next week? Well, you know, coming, I want to see where this guy goes. I want to see the choices he's going to make. The female perspective. It was refreshing to see a powerful woman still struggling with insecurities and coming to her own. And then you meet her friend Sassy, and Sassy hooks up with Ted Lasso. And then the typical trope would be for that to cause issues with Rebecca. Love and that. That didn't cause it. They didn't of course. even there's, talk about it. There's no jealousy between any of the women. And I love that so much because that's how we really are. But there was a touch of it with Kaylee and Rebecca. Not really. Where, no, but it was the you're younger and prettier and this, yeah, it that, was admiration. you know, whatever. It wasn't but, jealousy. But then it was, well, no, I actually find you to be yeah. inspiring oh, yeah. and strong and da 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 da. Oh, yeah. Women, I, we do that in the bathroom all the time. When we go to the bathroom together, that's what we're doing. Oh, my God. I love you. No, Why are you not. hanging out with me? Oh, my God. You're comparing I love dick you. sizes with Why your are you last three out exes. With me? You're comparing dick sizes about your last three exes. No. <laughs> You'd be surprised how little we care about men in the women's bathroom. Don't ruin the dream. They're pillow fighting. <laughs> Don't ask how the pillows get there. Are you kidding? We're complimenting each other on, you know, oh, your tits look great tonight, or that shade of lipstick, or... Yeah, but when I do it, it's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I call the cops. Unfair, double standard. When I walk in there and say I like your tits, it's an issue. There's a lot of very easy tropes that could have been done. Like, you could have had... Ted and Rebecca get together. Yeah. No, no. In the real world, no, you fucking can't. No. She's the owner of the club. She's He's the head coach. Yeah. I, but I'm still no. rooting for them to get together. They both right. deserve it. See, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I was actually. I. I was afraid it was going to go that route, and I was so glad when it did it because mm-hmm. it's I'm refreshing for them that to it have didn't. a really good friendship. But no, it's, it's refreshing that it didn't. But I'm, I'd like. I'm invested in them that I think they deserve it, and I'm like, you find You're happiness. Shipping Lasso and Rebecca. I don't think that they're right for each other. No, no I don't. No, think I don't. They are I don't. 
I, I, There's no way that's a happily ever after a waking up together relationship. But that's, that's, honestly, that's Rebecca's the... Rebecca's a stone cold powerful fucking bitch. You know yeah. what she should have? She should have a young, hot, athletic fucking boyfriend like Sam. That's right. exactly the guy she oh, should get. That that's exactly the I was, guy she I should was get. But, but again, that. that proves my point. One of the things I love about this show the most is that it takes you to the uncomfortable uh-huh. places. Rebecca and Sam make a lot of sense on one level, like Big Sam just talked, but it also made me cringe a little bit mm-hmm. because the the employment lawyer in me says, oh, yeah. oh my God, she's fucking her employee. Yeah, yeah that happens every uh, every day with a male boss and absolutely. a female employee, and that does not end well. It absolutely doesn't. Yeah. And, and, and I wonder how many men had that same reaction. Like, oh, I don't think this is right. But if the guy is the boss and the mm-hmm. woman is the employee, you're <laughs> you know, giving, you're you giving know fucking funny fist about bumps. This? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other day, Carly was like, I might go. She had like a, an appointment cancel on her. And she was like, I think I'm going to go to the park and eat my lunch. And I said, you know what? This is one of the only fucking situations where the double standard really hurts us. <laughs> Man, if I wanted to go have lunch at a park, I look like a pedo. (laughs) I just want to eat outside and enjoy the fresh air. You're allowed to go to the park. I can't. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, the double standard hurts us. Not often. Don't get me wrong. Don't be a nonce, Graham. Don't be a nonce. With her and Sam is so hot, and they built it better than anything they're doing on Bridgerton. It was such a twist, too. Yeah. It was it was unexpected. It was such a twist. But it was also you knew that it wasn't going to work, and you were almost as 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 sort of uncomfortable as the rela- mm-hmm. relationship was itself. You were you were stealing you for your mm-hmm. yourself for how is this going to end? Is he going to go to um, Morocco or wherever mm-hmm. that guy had the team? Is he going to find somebody hotter? Is she going to drop him? And the way that she let him down was so gentle. It was so nice. But you. You could tell he was oh, pained. No, they're not done. I think they're done. Oh, I don't think they are. I think I, we're gonna get some hot season two. I agree. <coughs> season three. Season three. I think when so. does that come out? Do we know yet? It comes out this summer. They're filming it right now. Oh, hurry up. <laughs> so you mentioned something that I think is a really important thing to yeah. talk about: strong women who kind of buck the trend, but still have mm-hmm. their their own issues. You had, when we were talking about prepping the show, and if it's one of your your show notes that I'm about to blow, please I, blow it up. You asked about who our favorite side character was, who our favorite mm-hmm. minor character was, and the horn dog in me was going to say Sassy Smurf, <laughs> right? And then I really thought about it. I'm like, no, I love Doctor Sharon. Oh, Doctor Sharon. I love Doctor Sharon because I feel like she's one of those glue characters mm-hmm. because she is the one that makes Ted Lasso sort of confront his demons in a way that he absolutely needed to. But she had kind of like him. He puts on this brave face, and I'm happy, go lucky, and everything is fucking sunshine and roses. I'm gonna just ignore mm-hmm. the fact that my marriage failed. The fact that the, the part that got me, that made me cry the most, shocker, is the, the interactions that he has with his son. Yeah, because yeah. I'm a dad, and yep. you know I live in the same house as my children, and I'm in constant fear that I'm somehow failing them. Mm-hmm. He's across an ocean. He took a job across an ocean, and then. His marriage falls apart, and, and he still has to put on the dad face, just like he has to put yeah. on the coach face. Dr. Sharon made him sort of see through and work through all that while at the same time not dealing with her own shit. Mm-hmm. The medically trained professional was ignoring her own shit. 
that's a level of complexity. And, and some people would call that hypocrisy. And I think no, it's not. It's just being human. real. Yeah. Right? It's human. Yeah, absolutely. It's easier to fix other people's problems. It's harder to look at your own self. And that's why it was so hard for her to take any help when she uh, fell into the hospital. Right. So, the, no, no, no. The power balance is I listen to you. You can't find anything on me because she was so afraid of giving up any power. The other piece to that, too, is it breaks down the stereotype of men are the only ones that keep things in. Yeah, you oh, have yeah. the stereotype of the bitchy women that cry about everything and da 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 da, right? And the men just are grin and bear it, and then mm-hmm. one day they snap and kill their family. Well, this gave <laughs> that went dark. <laughs> this <Yeah>. gave <laughs> this gave a new perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Where you know sometimes the strong woman is the one holding shit in. Well, as well. just just an observation and, from what you guys are saying. I would say the bulk of the characters are far more concerned about everybody else's shit than they are about their own. And do you think that's... They, they try to take care of everybody else and don't take care of themselves. And that that is... Again, we, we keep talking about these Except dualities. Except Roy. Except <laughs> Roy. But even no! Roy... Oh, no. no. Roy Kent. Absolutely Roy Kent. The His development in season two, him and Keeley's relationship and the self-reflecting he has on what she needs and the space she needs and how that doesn't diminish him. It's it's a lecture on what all women are secretly wanting from men. I don't know how or who got in touch with Sudeikis to base a character on me. <laughs> it's amazing that we haven't... I am allow, really allow, allow me to answer this again. No, no! no it's no. amazing that we've been doing this for... 45 minutes or so. Yeah. And we're only now getting to Roy Kent. Yeah. I'm Ooh. skipping I, I'm skipping over this, the section of Leslie Higgins, and I want to touch back, because Leslie Higgins is one of my favorite characters. Oh, Higgins. I know, Higgins. every character. And, like, Higgins <laughs> and his relationship <laughs> with his wife. The scene, this ties into the Roy Kent thing, the scene that made me <clears throat> cry the most was Roy Kent going to the stadium for that you had me at coach moment. For Leslie and his wife, uh, I'll read what I wrote down here. If I can take my glasses off, there we go. Uh, um, it's the scene with the rom-com moment. He's up in the field, and they're playing. She's like a rainbow, and the moment that had me was when Higgins is waiting for his wife and family, just as the song, song "She's a Rainbow" hits the lyrics. You see her dressed in blue. And she's got the cute little blue scarf around her neck. And he holds her hand and he twirls her around and he kisses her. Uh, And that set up against Roy running to the stadium. It's just showing general relationships and love. And Higgins is the best character on the entire show. We keep talking about glue. Higgins is the glue. He really is. And and there's something that to be said for Higgins that is also eminently relatable, relatable. Rupert was an absolute cunt to Higgins. Yeah. And he was a whipping boy. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't know how to be anywhere else. It, it, it's funny that we talk about acknowledging your demons, mm-hmm. sort of the darker side of this, but we don't, we haven't talked yet about what it's like to be empowered. Yeah. What it's like to be surrounded by people who empower you. And this is football or work or relationships or whatever. Lasso encouraged Rebecca to empower Higgins. Mm-hmm. Lasso empowers Nate. But apparently, uh, one of my best friends and I have this running argument about Nate and whether or not Lasso did him dirty. I maintain that he didn't. My friend comes at it from another angle. Nate has been shit on his entire life. 
he has all these great ideas, but nobody's giving him the time of day because he's the kit man, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go wash my jockey. Go wash my socks. Fuck off with your formations. And yep. l- and Lasso listens to him, and he's like, well, you're, you're talking to me? What? You must be talking to someone. Like, no, no, I'm talking to you. What are your ideas? And he builds them up. My friend thinks that Lasso turned his back on Nate, and that's why Nate went the heel. I think Nate got too big for his britches and his power. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree with Is you. Is the answer somewhere in between, though? Nate started off that way. First time we meet Nate is when Beard and Lasso show up to the field and they're walking on the pitch. And then Nate screams from across the pitch, get off, get off, get off the field. Meanwhile, Nate himself is running across the pitch. And even after he gets them off of it, Nate's still standing on it. I I found that funny for two reasons. For that reason, I remember when we did the tour of the Emirates, and I'm sure it's like this at Goodison, I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's like this at Villa Park, like you could probably take a shit in the middle of the changing room and nobody would say anything. But if you breathe on the grass, you're going to the tower, baby. Do not touch that. Do not even look at the grass. At the Emirates, remember, the the rope rope Uh. was at least three feet back from the pitch. You couldn't even reach out and touch it. Mm -hmm. And there's signs every... Three six feet, feet. Three feet, six feet. It, yeah. is, it is illegal. It is illegal to go on the grass. Right. Yeah. So they don't right. even want you touching it. Right. And so while Nate's screaming about it, he himself is running across it. So it was more for him the act of chasing somebody else off while he himself was still standing on it. Maybe how he many... thought he was entitled so to it. With, so with, with Nate, I kind of feel like this is like the Star Wars kind of situation, right? Where... I present you with this great power. I present you with this knowledge, with this acceptance, with this learning, and you have to choose what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You could either go the route of Jedi or turn to the dark side. And Nate, I think, and agree with you, reached that crossroads and chose the dark side. I think there was always a little dark side in him. Remember when... Um, I don't disagree with it that. season one when Lasso was like, hey, read them your notes? And it was essentially him shitting on everybody and yeah. roasting them. Yeah. yeah. So uh, basically, what That's, we're saying is Yoda would not have trained Nate. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Nate yeah. was a little. I agree. He's got a little good, bit good. of meanness. You know what, Sam? There's your validation. You're a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> if I could reach across and play with your hair right now, you'd just, feel you feel we validated. We didn't notice the meanness much in the first season until you go back and rewatch because we're so dazzled by Ted and Beard and the Diamond Dogs and the male relationships being built and the sharing, and that's how all of us missed the Nate turn. Well, and mm-hmm. and to my friend's point, I I, I mean I was. I mean, I, I didn't call him bad names. I was like, you you are failing to acknowledge how much Ted loves Nate and Nate just shit on him. But you yeah. also have to acknowledge there's still a dynamic there of I am the head coach. I will make the decision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Where Beard gets it. They've been together for a while right. as well. Right. right? And, and, and understands Nate's that like, relationship. I'm smarter than you. Why, well, why don't you listen exactly. to me? Exactly. Right? Where Nate was getting his ideas taken on board first time ever, had this, this power, had this feeling, had this, you know, acceptance. And then the professional relationship creeped back in. And it was, hey, listen, I'm the head coach. We're not doing that. And then Nate started trying to sabotage him. So what's interesting? He couldn't handle that. He felt as though it was rejection when it was just a professional situation. Oh yeah, definitely projecting his father 
his oh, whole end hundred percent. That is exactly where I was about to go. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Of all the characters in season three that I'm most interested to see where the story arc goes, it's Nate because same here because he has. On one hand, the traditional Indian father that tells you you're not good enough because you're not a doctor and what the fuck and be more of a man. But I'm going to emasculate you all the time so you can't be a fucking man. And then you have over here, Ted, the nurturing father figure that lets you know you could be anything you want to be, but then you're not okay with that because he's not telling you to fuck off enough. And it's like, he's not happy with either one. Well, it's, he's a, it's not a total healthy. identity crisis, isn't and it? He's, it's ultimately, yeah. he's not happy with himself. Yeah, that's why, that's, that's why I want to see well, where he goes. That's why he has to spit at the mirror to go talk to anybody. Yeah. The, the Remember bullying. that bit, right? Where he was in the changing room and he was yeah. like, I need to stand up for myself. And the way he figured out how to do it was spitting on himself. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he gets mean. Like, the way Colin bullied him in season one wasn't as, it was more friendly ribbing. It's, oh, it's it was, the kid it guy. Was, Fuck with the kid whereas guy. Whereas when the we get to season two guy. and the power dynamic is switched, the way Nate is bullying Colin, it's just mean and mm-hmm. mean-spirited and the way he treats the kit replacement. Mm-hmm. Like, who do you think you are? You're shit because I was shit. And it's like... Well, that, that's one of the... <laughs> but, but isn't that... So uh, Sam raised something really, really into Big Sam about stereotype stereotypes are bad yeah as well acknowledge but they exist for a reason mm-hmm. and the sort of overbearing Indian father um, definitely has a role but Nate is also English and a lot of English we Sam, Graham and I were that, that identity crisis yeah right. absolutely mm-hmm. you have to be treated like shit because I was treated like shit that happens in this country too right think about any profession where people are talking about moving the ball and progressing the way yep. we, we do things here, and you have old the old hardcores are like, no, 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 you get you have to. I shit. suffered, so you exactly. Suffer. I walked to school both ways uphill, mm-hmm. and side, so you have to do it too. Yeah, an executive level. My boss used to yell and scream at me till I cried, yeah, and I'm better for it. I so I'm going to yell and scream at you. So I'm exactly. doing that. I'm going to well. yell and scream yeah. at you when I don't realize that the nature of business has changed. And that's now how, not how I now get you to be successful. And think yeah. about who's, who Nate's new boss is. The biggest twat of them all. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really interested seriously to see how his character progresses. I think everyone sitting in this room is not a West Ham fan. I know that when it was revealed that Nate is the new manager of West Ham, every West fan I, fan I know is like, can yeah, I, I wondered can, how much now everyone's going to hate us. <laughs> can I quickly say the one and first, if this does not happen, I'm going mm-hmm. to be pissed. The first comedic relief of season three needs to be Nate losing a game and getting hit in the head with a dildo as he walks off the field. <laughs> Please let this might be happening. I understand. With the dildo taking... brothers in charge, that has to be the dildo thing. Dildo Daves. <laughs> they are doing a bit of a time jump apparently from a season. I don't know how big of a time jump, but there is supposed to be a little bit of a time jump going into the next season. Okay. Um, hoping, hoping that he has success. I hope he yeah. win, has won something, is in Europe doing, like I actually hope I that Nate's star is rising. I think that would make for a better story. I don't and then know. The, okay, so then the end of season three gets hit in the head with a dildo as he yeah. gets sacked I mean, on his last might, game. <laughs> there might not be a redemption arc. Could be. It could just be him coming into himself and finally realizing he's a nasty man. Full Mourinho. Yeah. So the other piece to to that is the other the other thing is 
with being Indian and English mm-hmm. is we have a lot of that in this country with um, with Mexican Americans, with African Americans, and like whose parents are from Africa and then they're born here, where they have an intrinsic identity crisis as to which culture they are. Yeah. Right. And how to be raised in that culture. Um, Caribbean, how, how Caribbean did, English and Indian English have that. That's a struggle that is very you, similar to right. African American and Hispanic American mm-hmm. in this Here. country. Very much there. Absolutely. Yeah, like how are you English? Some agree that you are. Some don't. Except the English don't think you're English because you don't look English. Right? right. Right. Are you so which we we colonized you? You're less than me. Right. Kind of attitude. So the struggle that they deal with is. I really saw, tough. I saw a meme the other day mm-hmm. that said, uh, "Say something positive about the British." It was on like an Australian like Twitter feed, and it said, um, "You guys created more Independence Day celebrations for, than any other country in the world." <laughs> nice. that's, that's quite funny. Not it's wrong. Nice. <laughs> it's nice. Not wrong. It's Not very wrong. good. But they so it it <clears throat> what so what I'm saying is you have that at play also in mm-hmm. in terms of his awkwardness and his self-worth in the show. I mean, I some people get jazzed up, I guess, you know, by kind of smacking themselves in the face, you know, in the mirror, look, look oh, I'm going to go get him or whatever. It's visceral. He spit on image. himself. Mm-hmm. I think that imagery is important. And how he views himself, how his father speaks to him, and yet he's British and this American guy is is building him up so much and I don't know how to handle that and I'm also British and awkward and but at the same time I'm Indian and I'm a piece of shit because my dad said so and then like so the the jazzing yourself up by spitting on yourself that imagery is I think indicative of that identity crisis in particular I don't even know who I am I don't know my worth and another thought too is I'm not confident at all but when I am confident I come off like a dick right. when I do finally get the reservation for the table I'm an asshole when I do it as opposed to just being confident when I do def- decide to finally kiss the girl I'm a dick about it I'm uh, not uh, and a creeper yeah, yeah. He, so he, he, his dichotomy I don't think there's going to be a redemption just doesn't I don't think there will be either no, I don't expect a redemption for him um, a theme that pops up a lot in this series is uh, fathers. Brendan Hunt said, uh, quote, from the earliest days of the writer room, we didn't just want to know what our characters were like. We always wanted to know why they were like that. And father and child relationship, you see that in Nate, Jamie Tart, Ted, Rebecca, uh, even Phoebe, and potentially Ted's son. It seems to touch everywhere in the series don't forget sam oh sam too thank you uh and so what is the show saying about fathers that they have a huge outsized impact on people they have a massive role and 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 mothers to that respect um rebecca has sort of a come to jesus moment with her mom where she has viewed her mom in one light Mm -hmm. and not a good one for many many years she finally understands why her mom does things. Jamie finally makes peace with the fact that he's never going to please his father, and his father's an asshole. Yeah. And it takes him punching him and Beard hauling him out of the locker room. <laughs> and Brighthead hugging him. Yeah. I'm crying all over again. You, 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 no, you know, no tears. No. <laughs> no. Fuck you. Stop being soft. <laughs> but, 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 
you know, even Ted's father has an outsized impact on his life. I, I think it goes to sort of the people that raise us and mm-hmm. the people that we choose to put in our lives. And it really shows that we can never really escape that. We just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's really interesting that we never talk. I think Ted's mother is going to come into the frame in season three because they're, his father she has to. We need she has to. But also, real quick, in terms of the parents, it also shows various ways to handle that. Where Jamie, as you said, punched his dad. Fuck it, get out. I'm done with you. <laughs> Just writing them off, getting toxic people out of right. your life, regardless of your bloodline. But then. Rebecca just accepting her mother for who she is. Finally. At the same token. Yeah. Right? And accepting her father for what he was. For what he was, well, right. Right, but just accepting them, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm just going to accept you for who you are. This is just part of your being. It's Fine. A- That's okay, too. But there's multiple ways to deal with that, and no one way is correct, while at the same time all of them being mm-hmm. correct. Also, the same thing there, too, is when we look at, like, How's that prick deserve to be a father, Rupert? Like, Rebecca oh, deserves God, to be right. a mom. Rupert's reproducing. Like, Rebecca deserves to be a mom. And then Rupert goes and gets the, the model and gets her pregnant, and suddenly he's grounded? Yeah. Suddenly he's suddenly yeah. he's into fatherhood? Like, like, fuck you. You don't deserve to be a dad, asshole. Like, like it, it's... Um, I, I think and the something... way Rebecca treats... Um, Stinky's daughter. What's her name? Oh, yeah. I don't remember. I, as her own. As her What's own. What's her name? Your Nora. girlfriend. Mora. Nora. Nora. Yeah. Yes. Nora. Her mother's your girlfriend. What's yeah. her name? I think, I think it's Nora. Is it yes, Stinky? it's Nora. Yeah, yeah it's Nora. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. He needed a woman what's to say gr- from What's the girlfriend's name? I'm proud to take credit for that. Sassy. Sassy. Sassy and Stinky. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, <laughs> I, I, just, I just think that it, that... It's, but it's intentional. It's by design. Uh-huh. The, the show... Runners, no, you can steal yourself for this character development, this character development, and they're going to get you somewhere extinctual, somewhere, somewhere almost primitive, and they're going to catch you and they're going to hit you right in the nuts. And and being a parent and being a child is yep. one of those spots. Hundred percent. But it also makes the show eminently relatable. Yeah. Eminently relatable, and and it just it it was also important when this show was taking place in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. I watched it in COVID. And I needed a breath of fresh air. I need something to make me laugh. You, normally you don't sign up for something in a really traumatic time in your own life and in the world that's going to make you sad. Yeah. It's going to make you cry. But you accept that that's going to happen because it also gives you something. And I hope that season three of, that sh- of the show can do that. It's going to be hard to replicate. I yeah. bought right in on Tiger King because I wanted to see something that was a worse train wreck than my life. We talked about, Mel and I talked about that the other day about how that show that that documentary was only famous because it was at a point of time in our lives where we were just like please put it into my veins the worst white trash insanity ever I want it all oh they're on meth I want to be on meth that made me feel better about myself and my situation at that moment and the global situation right Uh, well exactly that's what I'm saying but that's how it was like you said you didn't want to watch something cheery or uplifting Mm -hmm. or whatever you wanted to feel like shit i wanted to feel better while watching still shit yeah yeah um i did have one last thought when you were talking about the uh the the relationship of fathers and sons 
Um, while while yes, Rebecca and Keeley and the Doc are all very strong female characters. Let's not lose. Let's not. This is a show about men, and yeah. it's a show about men dealing with men's the mental shit health and the shit that they deal with. Yep. And at the top of that list, for every single man, be it a good, bad, or a different thing, is their relationship with their father. Yeah. Most of and us that are means trying to impress lot. them until the day we die. I, I mean, my, them, I mean, us. for me, I, I lost my dad at 18, and all I can think about is my dad never met my wife. My dad wasn't there when I graduated high school. Like, that shit stings and still hurts about this day. It still shapes me to this day. It probably when I would have family members, the opinion of you, too. I have family <laughs> members and, and friends of mine who go like, oh, my God, you're so much like Bob. You know? And it just, like, yeah. it stings. It hurts. It's prideful. But but it's also something you can't talk about as a or, – or at least up until these last few years – you could not talk about as a man. You certainly couldn't talk about it with other men nope. unless it was someone really fucking close to yeah. you. Yeah, and you know? it was really, that was and, the only situation where you could, and it was always over a glass of whiskey and a cigar. And which, it normally involved the, you sobbing by the end because you at, were drunk and stupid and there was nothing else but emotion to which, come out. in and of itself at the baseline is self-harm. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I just, I, I think that, that, that them wanting to know the the backstory of the father shapes the man because the show is really ultimately about these men and their struggles mm -hmm. well what are part of their struggles the influence of their father is so huge in all of it's that it's also and, a lot of how they're being fathers yeah uh one of the most poignant scenes at the end of season one is when uh after the loss, Ted gets the message from his son saying, uh, hey, Dad, I'm proud of you. It was good seeing you out there. And he's reading the message as he walks up to Jamie Tart's locker room or walks past it with mm -hmm. a Jamie Tart's dad being in there just screaming at him. And there's got to be some reflective in there like, "I'm what am I doing so well that that man is doing so wrong? Mm -hmm. And so you see Ted struggle with that. And then you see Roy Kent raising his niece. Phoebe. Yeah, mm -hmm. being being a dad, and we don't know what the situation is. All we know is Phoebe's dad is a piece of shit. Well, and, and, and so Rick no. standing up. Talk F about no. talk about to Sam's point to, to Big Sam's point. No, top of the mic. There talk you. about how the impact of fathers is seen and felt, even when you never see them. Mm -hmm. Phoebe's dad. Why we never see her mom? She works a lot. Roy is basically her dad. Yeah. And why Roy is such an she emulates wants right. to emulate Roy cursing in the classroom right. I mean a great bit of comic relief but true yeah. but true and I know kids like that yeah I've coached yeah. kids like that I've been yeah. in class with kids like that when I was a kid okay. but, and we don't know anything about Roy's dad do we no we, well, no, we, we do we, we got a little nugget we little nugget that I, I believe he was with um, the center back Isaac right? right and he takes him to where he grew up South London Council and they're playing, which may have been the best soccer of the show, the the the, the five aside, yeah, 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 with the fences around it, yeah. But you know, basically, someone says, "Well, you know, your dad was a was a South London racist, or he, your dad was a racist." Like, well, of course he was. He was from South London, right? J just an acknowledgement, mm -hmm. not a stereotype. Like, this is what happens. Yeah. To Sam's point, you mentioned Roy. You mentioned uh, Ted and the interaction with his son. It's not just about the outside impact that our fathers and the fathers in this show have on their life. It's what the fuck are you going to do with it? Yeah. 
at some point, Ted and Jamie and even Roy have to acknowledge that if they don't deal with their shit, they're not going to be good fathers themselves. Yeah. Yep. Right? Or and, just even good men. Or just good men. Yeah. And, 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 and whether or not you are dads or you, you love somebody like a dad, if you don't face those own demons and you don't start asking yourself those hard questions and not be afraid and flinch of the answer because they're too hard or too, too difficult or, or, or it may reveal something about myself that I don't like, mm-hmm. you're not going to get, you're not going to be any better. Gosh, I wonder if they're going to dig on that because it just made me realize with Roy Kent, he his second season, he develops more into a father. Like he realizes his relationship with Phoebe is more important. He has to step up to coach the previous captain of the team. He has to step up as a coach, which mm-hmm. is kind of a fatherly figure. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder if he's going to end up with that hot Irish teacher. Yeah. Yeah, that scene was weird. Can it we was talk about weird. that for a moment? But I think what were her, they doing I think there? I think him and Keeley actually have a pretty strong relationship to be honest. They seem to be giving each other like a healthy what was amount the of deal space. Of that whole scene with him and the kindergarten teacher. I think it was more speaking to Phoebe emulating him than the other than him and the teacher. I don't know. I I there think, was some weird energy that came from that scene. I think that there was something about that scene yeah. where he, for the first time, really thought about where him and Keeley were, and whether or not he wanted to be there. Yeah, and and, and he could have he could have answered that question in the affirmative, but there was some they they it, did a really good job yeah. of creating that tension. It was right. a, do I the, want the, to be that... the front page of all these magazines with the Power Woman, or do I want to slow down and have a family? Wait, but was he? So was that? Do you think that wasn't just playing up the fact that he was a professional footballer up until very recently, and now the new assistant coach of a professional football club? I don't know that she was a bit more, for lack of a better term, kind of not starstruck, but I guess enamored, enamored, flirty starstruck. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The teacher was giving him fuck me eyes, and they were straight up but that's flirting. A, but that's what door. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is. Is that just he's a footballer? No, I don't. I don't think no. so. I don't think, I think that he's a damn fine-looking man. Yeah, I mean, like obviously, me. it's, it's all that, of that. But there was something further based on, on me. No, no. <laughs> I think it was about him coming in and having genuine love for his niece. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh shit, she painted what? Yeah. She she said she what? Said what? Yeah, yeah, she said what? And you know, wh- she goes, where do you think? You got where do you got from? it from? And she Fuck was asking no. a rhetorical question, right? <laughs> I didn't actually think that she was starstruck at all. I thought she was meeting him on a level, and I hate to say it, because everybody loves them, mm-hmm. that maybe Keely and him don't meet. Yeah. That eh, could be. Right? Because if you think she about it- She was also famous as well. Mm-hmm. It, a number own. one. I don't see and Keely Keely might be going. Time. I think Keeley's going on a trajectory up that uh-huh. he's not. Yeah. And that I don't I think, think she's going on a, with, work. with her- Consumed by work with her new yeah. business and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Remember, he was trying to take her to Mallorca, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And she said she couldn't go because she, she had her like grand opening for her office or whatever. Right. He had the tickets in hand. He said, yeah. you can work from the, you can the, work the from villa Mallorca. for six yeah. weeks. I, and she's like, I can't do it. I predict season two, Keely and Jamie Tart are going to get back together. Season and that's three. Gonna be, I mean, season three, why do I keep saying that? I keep... predict season three, him and Keely are going to get back together and uh, we're going to see more on Keely and Jamie Tart. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Hate I, to see it, but Well, I mean it would be consistent with them keeping yeah. us on our toes. And I'm I'm very curious how Roy and his emotional development handles being broken up with. 
How many, just a dumb question for the crew here. Um, how many situational comedy sitcoms in this world do you look at and go in the next season? I expect it to go dark. I don't ex- I like, I don't expect it to be all happy. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Jamie and Keely broke up. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes horrifically wrong for Nate. Like that's, it's a very interesting thing to think. Cause in most situational comedies, it always, there may be some adversity, but even by the end of the episode, it works itself out. Yeah, but I, and I think that's the brilliance of this show that that there's going to be some there's going to be some sad notes to this, but it doesn't make the story sad. It just makes the story real. Here's I, how, here's what I would say, Sam. I've seen people who think about this way too much, probably <laughs> compare. <laughs> Seasons one, two, and three of Ted Lasso, and I do believe that the third season. Yeah, will be they the last said season. they have it. There, there's they a, keep saying this there's is the always last a one. possibility they can imagine a story past season three, so they are teasing that. But in their minds, this is a three act play. For the purposes of my example, mm-hmm. let's assume that it is a three act play. I've I've seen people compare season one, season two, and season three to the original Star Wars trilogy. And maybe season two was Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. and season three will be the Return of the Jedi where everything wraps up, but it's not quite clean. Right? Yeah. yeah. Not, not perfect. Not perfect. Not perfect. Not perfect. Um, but that would fit in with the show and that's life. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Sometimes life just goes that way. Right? Yeah. It's not perfect. I don't, I don't anticipate that it's going to go dark. I do anticipate that all these moments that we love about it just hitting you right in the feels, it's gonna they're gonna come hot and heavy. And I think we'll all be okay with it too. I think Brendan we need it. Hunt teased that we should expect more origin stories in season three, including deeper dives into the backstories of Rebecca and Rupert, and that we'll have a. I already talked about the time jump. Yeah. Right. So that's weird. Do a time jump just to go in the past beyond where season one was. <laughs> I think there might go deeper. Let's go 15 Rupert. years I mean, in the future to talk to you about 18 years ago. We didn't see ago. much about Rebecca and Rupert's backstory. I don't know what there's more to tell us on them, though. That's what I... I well, just maybe more of their dynamic. And, yeah, do we need to... I mean, I think we've seen it all. I don't, I'm don't. i very curious well, what they're going to show us. We haven't seen them as equals, though. We no, haven't and, seen them as, as Premier League club owners. Where their actual marriage went wrong. Were they equals? We haven't. We I mean, have. were they? Well, they are. Point? They are technically now. But they are they now. Weren't? They never were during That's the what marriage. I, mean. I have yeah, a feeling. I have a feeling she was. And if we do a look back at the backstory, the backstory will be she has great ideas. He doesn't let right. her have yeah. them, and then she gets the club from him in spiteful rage to go. I'm gonna fuck you over only to realize that, hey, I can do this, I can run a club, and that's what we see in season three is where they are now. Technically, they're equals. They're both club owners. I hate that word time jump because it's like, are we going two years, three years? How far is too far? Right. I just think it's also kind of strange to go into the future to then give you origins. Yeah. I think that's a little weird. It is. It is. I hope we don't go too far. I mean, I would go middle of next next season. season I don't don't want them winning a title. I yeah. don't. I, I don't, don't want Richmond to win a title. Well, wait. Did, went, they got relegated, didn't they? No, they, they came. They, they came got back. promoted. Back up. They just. Got oh, they got promoted again. again. Yeah. Right yeah. at the end of last season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't want them. I don't want. Uh, maybe, Unless the time jump is off a, season, and we're starting with season League. beginning. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our uh, conversation on seasons one and two. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? Simon, start with you. 
I think it's a wonderful show. I I wish that I had flagged it before the Sam's did, and I can't remember which one. That whiskey is real good. Um, <laughs> there, it was me. There were so many important. <laughs> yeah. I know it wasn't. Um, I'm not that drunk. Um, there are so many important elements of this show, but I, I cannot stress how important it is that we're finally dealing with mental health. Yes. Men, men's mental health. But when you talk about Dr. Sharon, when you talk mm-hmm. about Rebecca, even when you talk about the little girl who who doesn't have Nora, who doesn't really have her dad in her life, and she looks up to somebody like Rebecca, we need to keep having these conversations. Yeah. These, these gentlemen here talk about something that a lot of people love, and they are not afraid to share their feelings about taking care of yourself and, and making sure that you take care of yourself to take care of others. So I'm, I'm really happy that you guys brought me in here to do that and we can highlight that. Roy Kent especially, because that guy is the epitome of male masculinity. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a hard man. Thank you. He, You're talking about me, obviously. He's covered no! in hair. No. He's confident. He's a sports icon. He's a social icon. But he's also very soft. He plays and injured. Tender he does all the things. And has feelings and is aware of changing and is opening him up himself more and more. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, and I but know, it's also authentic within himself. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I know I, the I, actor. I, I loved his, his punditry. Where he, he just was like, yeah, fuck you, piss off. Yeah. Like, you can't say that on TV. Yeah, fuck you, piss off, right? The actor is also <laughs> a writer, and he's done a phenomenal job of crafting this modern feminist character wrapped up in all the masculinity. Yeah. And none of the masculinity is toxic. Well, there there's there's that. Even, uh, the, even the, the, the butting heads and the physical stuff, it's not toxic, it's emotional. Yeah, so my takeaway would be the the very open and very raw tackling of men's mental health in yeah. the show is something that I've been a champion for for a while. I've cried on this show a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to shine a light on some of those things myself. Obviously, our platform is a lot smaller than something produced by Apple TV, uh, but it's awesome nonetheless. Um, that is so vitally important. Mm-hmm. Besides that, the female characters in the show are not there just to move the story on. Mm-mm. They are real. They are strong. They are actual characters that develop and change and do things that think of Keeley, right? Where uh, Instagram model, you know, front page Vanity Fair. Footballer's whatever. girlfriend. What, right, exactly. Right. Just a wag. Well, no, she just used that as a vehicle to get to where she wanted to be. And now she's, starting a company and growing her own shit and da 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 And she's and, respected. Mm-hmm. She's respected. Exactly. She's not judged for who she slept with or how she carries herself or how she dresses. She's respected by mm-hmm. everybody in that football club. Well, absolutely. And and the her and, and Rebecca's relationship, especially we spoke about before, where Rebecca was a touch jealous of the younger, faster model that's now mm-hmm. hanging around and da-da-da-da. But then it gets flipped on her where, actually, I respect and admire you. And I want to learn what you do and your power. Mm-hmm. And I see what you're doing. And it's not about my body. It's about being fantastic. But doing it in a way that... I don't know. No one thing overpowers the show, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, it's which is so awesome. It's so many beautiful pieces Each, of yeah, the human it's, condition. It's wonderful. And it's it's raw, it's real, 
It's shit that we don't talk about enough, and we need to talk about more. But it still celebrates it. And mm-hmm. it's it's football. It's yeah. it's it's I I come back to this point. It's the melting pot. It's, it is it's all of it. It's the world's game. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think I don't think it would have the same impact, even in this country, if it was a set with an NFL team or a baseball or basketball team or a basketball or base- team. Yeah. No, because we've wouldn't. seen it. They've done it. They've tried it. They've churned them out over and over again. And every time it always comes back to being about the sport. And, is, and that's where the magic the, is on this. The, and is that why it works, though? That, the other piece of that, to, though, too, is with, with those leagues, you're dealing with mostly Americans. Yeah. They're, the only difference is race. Yeah. In, in interdynamics within the club, really. Other than that, so here you have the cultural difference of Sam. The cultural difference of the really blunt Dutch guy. The cultural difference of he's so blunt. <laughs> What's his name? Jan Jan. So yeah. I love him. Dude, don't, dude, don't get offended. He's Dutch. <laughs> it's, he's perfect. It's, it's it's not your problem that you're not playing well. You're just a bad player. He's Louis Van Gaal, basically. He's so great. He's Louis Van Gaal, so, except fit. So brilliant. <laughs> but it's it's that sort of thing, right? It's you have all these different cultures coming together. You have all these different pressures coming together you have then you have nate we've already discussed with a a dual nationality Uh kind of identity crisis situation then you have ted with you know the traditional american masculinity problem where i'm gonna project whatever i want you to see but i have fucking anxiety attacks and i can't talk about it Mm -hmm. right i can't say anything i'd rather say i had diarrhea than i had a panic attack yeah i'd rather rather say say that i shit myself yeah exactly right yep exactly Mm -hmm. right yep I would rather say I shit myself. So it's it's all of those things that is it, what makes this so beautiful. And soccer, as Simon said, football is the most perfect sport for that mm-hmm. because there is no more international game, especially in Europe, where you get that many cultures, that many things in one room, and it fits and makes sense. Yeah. And, and let me ask you, and I, I'm waiting for my friend to carry us <laughs> home. <laughs> but do you think the reason why all of these things that we've talked about, how this show kind of catches you between the eyes and takes you by surprise, Sam Graham mentioned football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, being a conduit. I think football, the fact that this show is based around football, allows that shit to sneak in. I like that. Because you most most of the American viewing well, it makes audience, it believable. Well, not only that. You wouldn't have this many cultures on a baseball team. It's not just that. It's true, but it's not just that. It's we're not we don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. We don't we're not prejudging it from the NFL being macho or the NBA being whatever or Major League Baseball being America's pastime whatever. We don't have preconceptions about soccer cuz we don't know soccer. Right. So soccer is the Trojan horse and then all of this other shit comes into the walls of Troy and we're like, "Whoa, what just happened?" What just happened? You're right. It's already not saddled with the stereotypical masculine sports image that we carry with it. We don't bring that baggage into it. And it's all about at the same time, some of those characters possess those traits to set them up. Absolutely. It's all about, I keep coming back to this, it's all about the uncomfortable. (laughs) And that's why I like the show. I really like how you phrase that. That's exactly, I, I feel that. It's brilliant. All right, Houston, any final great thoughts from you? We have a society, and this applies to... <laughs> That's a big Costanza. <laughs> television, television, movies, in all walks of life, where there's now a checklist, and you have to hit that checklist, right? right? This person, this trope, this style, this all needs to be done, and it comes off very forced. Yeah. And we see that in a lot of what movies are, and there's a reason why 
like and covid has its own effect to it but there's a reason why hollywood and movie is failing right mm-hmm. now people want the escape and they don't want to be preached to and what's happening in the, this show it checks all the boxes it does it all it doesn't force it on you and you don't even realize that it's been laid down in front of you mm-hmm. and it and it asks a lot of questions about a lot of things that you would not normally be willing to answer because you would go that guy looks different than me but wait what if that was a man and not a woman all the bullshit that we say right now from Mm -hmm. the left and the right and on twitter and all that crap this show somehow very subtly slips the jab none of us fucking notice we go on and it's a brilliantly written show that checks all the marks and and then it makes you think and it makes you think in a way that we are so used to right now putting our hands up and being defensive about. And it does it fucking brilliantly. And again, it's a fucking sitcom for crying out it loud. Builds, this is supposed to be giggly, laughy, happy, huggy. It builds a universe. Yeah. Like, I want to live in that universe. I want to coexist with those people that yeah. have that awareness and that care and that love for one another. But but you do. And and those people, I think what the they show- They exist. They're just not on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you do live in that universe. And I think what this show has, has, has taught me, at least, is that- most people have that. You just have to yeah. pull it the fuck out of them. Yeah. You just have Fair. to pull it out of them. I mean, Houston and I are the Higgins. We want everyone to come over for Christmas dinner. Yeah. You know that what? That would be the best time You know ever. what's really funny about Higgins and Houston? What? Is I'm still looking at that bass guitar sitting in the corner right now. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I we can, need to change it up barely, for Van Dyke. I he can, needs the Van Dyke haircut. I can barely play the beginning of Goodbye Better Than Ezra. <laughs> that's about what I can do. So and the, a little bit of debaser. <laughs> a little bit of debaser by the Pixies. That's about what I can knock out. One of my favorite Seinfeld episodes was the Chinese restaurant where George was trying to get on the phone to call his girlfriend to where they were to meet them. And he keeps getting outdone for the phone mm-hmm. by a couple of other patrons of that restaurant. And at one of moments when it happens, he walks away and he goes, you know, we're living in a society and it's one of my favorite episodes. So when you started your closing words, that's the first thing that came to mind and it made me fucking giggle like a schoolgirl because it's hysterical. And uh, and so I apologize for stepping all over that. I can't That's wait. Right. But that was definitely Costanza you were channeling. Those listening, if you have not rewatched season one and two, do it. Before season three comes out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to subscribe again to Apple up, TV before three comes out. You pick up on so many nuances yeah. and so many delicious part of these characters. And it's so easy to fall in love with them all all over again. And if you didn't like the beard episode the first time, the second time... <laughs> You're gonna like it more. Look, what if look at, what look if we loved her. it and we don't want to watch it because we're again because we're afraid we'll be let down. Leave it in be. that beauty. Leave it in that beauty. Let you it can stay leave there. Leave it in that beauty if you want to, but I'm telling you, you, you won't. It was You'll even it was even the better the second time for me, it's and I'm a huge fan. I trust you. I trust you. Him, not me. Thanks, Simon. You, I, the, the royal <laughs> you. The, the, the your the character arc you. hasn't gotten the editorial you. Uh, <laughs> Mel, you know, you, your character you arc hasn't up, gotten to that point yet. What Mel. you pick up on the second watch is more of the details from the bar people, mm-hmm. more of May's relationship. You're able to pick up on the secondary characters in uh, the soccer club, 
um, all of those things just shine more because again, every character <clears throat> feels real. Well, there's also so many outlandish things that happen in that episode. That really, the first time you watch it, that's the only thing you can focus on. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, what just happened? And then you miss the next 30 seconds because you're like trying to process what the fuck just happened. Watching each one of those guys individually when they're practicing for Dr. Sharon's dance number, fucking gold. That's Carly's favorite moment of the whole thing. <laughs> and she plays it literally at least three times a week. That's amazing. She pulls it up on YouTube. Where they're practicing, uh, bye bye bye, bye and sync. Bye, bye, yeah. Bye. yeah, yeah. It's... No, it's bye bye bye. They're marionettes. That's why it's. That's why it's called and, that. And you gotta hit it. Yeah. Love it. Ain't yeah. no lie. Bye bye bye. bye. <laughs> All right, before we head out, uh, and then they it. and then they get it right. <laughs> and last himself up. It turns the beard, and he was like, "They just do it." And it whatever he said, yeah. and he was like. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And then they all start cheering. Like, the most mundane, stupid it's shit. Joy. But that's also, te- yeah. that's what uh, we do, right, At our in our teams. We come up with these dumb shit. Not necessarily that in particular, but we come up with dumb shit, and then like we do it. Like sending your supporters a President's Day video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we get it spot on, like we did that one. It was fabulous. Still hunted. Uh, Still hunted. Um, Mel, I just want to say your yes. footy is showing. Um, you definitely use delicious like a uh, color commentator did in I a really? footy match. So Shit. Just want to I say your, fo- your, hey, footy, Mel- your footy showing, sweetheart. Be proud. I, be proud. I do want to say. I'll sit there and watch games with him, and I'll list off like seven players in the field, and I go, by the way, I fucking hate that I know all those players' names. If if it's not offensive I've to say so. I've been fighting it. And I'm it's not her it club. I've been fighting it. Oh, yeah. I've been fighting it, and I'm finally, I think I am actually a full-time footy fan. Live in the now, Mel. Oh, Live I, in the now. I came to the dark side. I came from the NFL, so. Welcome. Hi, I'm Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, can I say, uh, without being offensive, No. Um, that you stealing the show from Sam. Yes. You have definitely covered yourself in glory. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I have great aim. Well done. (laughs) All right, people. Thank you so much for checking out our Ted Lasso special. Where's my hula hoop? Yes. The football show begins their fifth season. So make sure you like and subscribe and follow wherever you get podcasts. And every Monday, we're doing the live show. And Tuesday, podcast is brand new. See you soon. Good night. (laughs) 